0: Two, Hey,
1: welcome everybody to what the truck on this beautiful Friday afternoon. I'm the dude, Michael Vincent, and I'm joined here, obviously, by Dooner. What's
2: up, my brother? Mask rage is still running wild in the streets, my man. This time, this yeah. time at Disneyland, Enrico Toro, 35, years arrested on August 14th after he, his wife, and young kids weren't let into the House of Mouse because they were wearing their masks improperly. Things went south quickly as Toro smacked a security guard upside the head and threatened him by saying, I know where you live and I'm going to kill you according to eyewitnesses, Michael Vincent. (laughs)
1: It's crazy stuff, man, dude. But have you been to Disneyland with your kids, right? Can you imagine getting to the gate after parking your car and going at stuff? And then you have to go back to your car to get something. And you come back and you find out it's the wrong thing. (laughs) I can see why he's irritated. But, man, zero excuses for cussing at the guy and slapping him upside the head. Not not a good move at all.
2: Well, does the security guard really think that he lives at Disneyland, too, right? Uh, (laughs) Just another day at the happiest place on Earth.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know that he lives at Disneyland, but the guy, he, he may actually know where the guy lives. You know, I mean, it is a small world after all, dude. Whoa, there
2: you go. There you go. Oh, is that the band? Shh. Was that the band I just heard? We should uh, maybe we should go and tip them. Uh, you probably should. How about this one, Michael Vincent? <laughs> we know freight claims are painful, right? Right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, they don't have to be. They they don't have to be. With transactional all-risk insurance coverage through UPS Capital Insurance Agency, almost 99% of claims are paid, with most in four days of less when you need that money most. Pay as you go and reduce upfront premiums to cover all modes, all carriers. Choose what you want to cover with custom business rules and leverage claims data to pinpoint those risks in your supply chain. Natively integrate their capabilities into your shipping and ERP platforms. For a seamless process, where do they learn more? I'm going to tell you where they got to go.
1: UPSCapital.com forward slash insure immediately following the show.
2: Perfect. And we're bringing up the LinkedIn comments right now. What is up, Wayne Craig? He's heading to Little Rock, Arkansas. We got Chris Jolly in there. All those gentlemen doing good just sharing this out with the people. All right, let's get to right. Uh, let's get to a little news coverage. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it, man. Yeah. Trucking Rescue Group describes hurricane relief as organized chaos. You would have heard a lot of stuff like this if you watched yesterday's midday market update Stormwatch. Well, Clarissa Haas reports truck drivers, along with search and rescue groups and humanitarian relief organizations, are once again answering the call to deliver critical medical supplies, food and other essentials after Hurricane Laura pounded the Gulf Coast on uh, early Thursday. And it killed at least six people so far. Michael Vincent, very unfortunate.
1: Yeah, very unfortunate. But you know what, Dooner? Once again, truckers answering the call and being our heroes. This came up yesterday during the midday market update. You know, the storm watch when Kathy Fulton from Allen discussed relief efforts and the amount of time it takes for recovery versus the coverage and the interest in events like these have. Right. So we're talking days of coverage versus what can take sometimes years of relief efforts and rebuilding efforts.
2: Yeah, but that doesn't mean help isn't on the way. Shelly Conway-Wah of Lexington, Kentucky, she's a 28-year trucking veteran. She runs a nonprofit group called Trucks with Room to Spare. She was already coordinating relief efforts Thursday morning with her network of truckers, sponsors, and donors to provide disaster relief in the hardest-hit areas by Laura, which was a Category 4 hurricane when it made that landfall.
1: It sure was. But besides cash donations, her group accepts plywood and lumber that may even have sustained water damage but would suffice in an emergency situation. The organization also accepts boxes of usable building materials uh, where just one box is crushed, let's say, but the whole load is rejected by a receiver. So we're looking at, you know, usable rejected materials from deliveries. Uh, Trucks with room to spare is currently uh, evaluating requests from relief groups and plans to establish donation drop-off
2: sites sometime Today. Oh, wow. Well, that's good, right? Because more than 75. 750,000 customers have no electricity across Louisiana, Texas, and Arkansas. More than half a million of them are in Louisiana. The remnants of Laura, now a non-tropical low-pressure system over northwest, northeastern Arkansas, will remain a threat this weekend for inland areas as it moves through the mid-south and toward the east coast. Stay tuned to FreightWaves Radio on SiriusXM's Road Dog Trucking from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern time on Saturdays. That's channel 146. And we'll have uh, any more hurricane coverage for you as that rolls in absolutely and here's why well here here's a great thing for you so some people have asked me how do i get that free sonar well here's some great news key Sonar features, right? Free access until September 4th, 2020. Craig Fuller, FreightWaves founder and CEO, he stated, our thoughts and prayers are with those who have been impacted by Hurricane Laura. FreightWaves has a responsibility to provide intelligence and information about the hurricane and its impact on the freight market. And he's right. And he also stated, Sonar is the industry's most comprehensive freight data platform, providing unparalleled insights, forecasts. Therefore, it has done Previously, when other, uh, or what was done previously, when other hurricanes have damaged areas in the United States, freeways will offer free access to this system, to the key features of sonar. And again, that's until Friday, September 4th. There are no obligations or credit card required at all
1: that 's absolutely correct, and we covered this a little bit last night uh, yesterday afternoon, I should say on freight forecasting Zach Strickland and I, and we went through these, but the key features that are available inside here are the global uh, pages and these global pages are put together by our market experts and and data uh, people to give you real time information into different dashboards and charts that that uh, that uh, sonar has inside it but in Included in that also are the lane signals, which provides the lane by lane freight rate forecasting. Uh, So it shows the past, the present and future rates. So you can look at these key lanes that may be affected by these storms and throughout the entire United States. The pricing power scores are in there and the visual comparisons of the different markets uh, that impact your business. You can really look at that. But also you get the critical events, which is the sonar widget that serves as an intelligence center really during severe weather and natural disasters, fires or controlled power outages, et cetera. Uh, the critical events really allows you users to react smarter to the events that are actually around the globe as it tracks all these weather related events uh, and gives you risk scores on specific assets in those areas that might be impacted. So a really good thing. It's yeah, a really good thing.
2: Yes. And check the show notes on this episode, or if you're looking at the article copy, watching the video, you're listening to the audio copy, check the show notes. There'll be a link to how you sign up for this, this free sonar access. And again, no, no, credit card required. What you're going to see in there too, among the critical events is you're probably going to see some robust data, right? Carriers are getting it. Well, the getting's good. $3 a mile, yeah. LA to Dallas. This week's DHL Supply Chain Pricing Power Index is still at an 85, super powerful where it was last week. The outlook is 75, so barely looking at any tapering off. But as you opined before we went on the air, you actually think that will be adjusted as well. For those not familiar, the DHL Supply Chain Pricing Power Index uses sonar data in that product we just talked about to analyze the market and give you that intelligence that you need using a number of key factors to see who holds the scepter in the game of pricing power. 100 is the carrier. Zero is the shippers right now, 85. So a lot of strength with the carriers, and that's being fueled by the outbound tender volume index, which has set another record high this week, right? With some lanes, like we yep. just mentioned, over $3 a mile. And I think that loads are being, what is it? Well, one out of every four loads are being rejected. Now, last week was one out of every five. So 25% rejected.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, and like you, like you said, I, I think the 75 outlook for three months could actually could actually go up because you're looking at volumes that you said a new record, fifteen eight twenty nine could break sixteen, which is just phenomenal, and it shows no signs of sh- of slowing. There's been a pretty good uptick over the last last couple of days in volumes and rejections. Now twenty four point nine seven, almost twenty five. So like you said, almost one in four loads being uh, rejected, and in many markets, that goes way up. There's some markets where we're talking about forty and fifty percent rejection that are going on. Rates, dry van, flatbed rates, reefer rates, all on the rise, dry van at 267, reefer, these are nationwide, 303 on reefer and 252 on flatbed, and they're all showing upward curves as well. And looking at the cross-border traffic, which you can see in, inside sonar, uh, in northern border and southern border, very strong and looking really good, even in the rail is showing good strength in those areas. But Maritime is also, was off a little bit over the last two, uh, about, it's still higher than the last two years, but it's been down a little bit over the last about week or so. But those are customs. Those are custom shipments coming through customs. Our ocean dashboard, our new ash, ocean dashboard that came out on 7.0, that is where you see the shipments and TEUs that are being booked up to seven days out in, in advance, not even stuffed into containers yet. And those are showing really strong growth over the next couple of weeks. So... Uh, the the volume rise is not over yet, my friends.
2: Dr. Rhonda Bumpenza Zimmerman, did I nail it, Rhonda? Do you have the Do you have the name pronunciation on LinkedIn yet? Have you done that yet? Gone on mobile, like I mentioned on Put that coffee down. I hope yeah. you do. Uh, if I missed that one, she said she was sporting her What the Truck T-shirt uh, at the gym at the. At, at, uh, sorry, at Safeway by the uh, and the sofa vendor there or by the the soda vendor. What am I reading here? I can't read it all. She said she was swearing her What the Truck shirt she got from swag.freightwaves.com. She got the What the Truck shirt from there. And uh, she said she was in Safeway and by the soda vending machines. And they said, what does your shirt say? So uh, she said a little plug for you guys after telling him. Thanks for all you guys do to showcase logistics, challenges, and educational opportunities for tuning in. I just need a little help with my reading skills. Thank you so much, Rhonda. <laughs> Eric Serta. Eric Serta says, awesome. Thanks at Freightways for opening Sonar up." Robert Boosie says, happy Friday. Uh, thank And Joshua Ramos says, good morning all. Thank you all for joining us so far today. Share it out with a friend. Let them know what's going on over here because we're about to talk to four, count them, four amazing guests. The first one we're going to dial out to is Liora Elizari. He's the CEO and founder of Invia. They are a uh, robotics company. Robotics as a service, I think they're going to talk to us about. Let's get him up on the line and see what it's all about.
0: Hi, this is Lior.
2: Hey, Lior, this is Dooner and the Dude on What the Truck. Thank you so much for joining us on the air today to talk a little bit about what you're doing over at Invio Robotics.
0: No problem. I'm Glad to be here.
2: You know what? We, I was noticing something really. So I was looking at your background on LinkedIn and Michael Vince and I noticed that you're a licensed ham radio operator. What's old is new again. How did you end up being a <laughs> yes. licensed ham radio operator? We well, are also working in the high end field of uh, robotics as a service.
0: Oh, well, you know, we just, uh, you know, interested in different hobbies, different uh, electronics. Actually, we got almost uh, half the company licensed um, as well, especially during the fires and stuff like that. You know, there was no uh, cell service. Everybody was interested in that. Oh, wow. uh, but yeah, but I, but I've been you know pretty much interested in robotics my whole life, and you know really uh, been trying to, to solve a lot of hard problems. I've been working a lot on different robotic solutions, and you know I had several startups as well that uh, you know mostly provided solutions for the internet business, and now we're trying to provide the same solutions to the warehouse industry.
1: That's excellent stuff, Lior. So. Uh, I've always been interested in robotics and, and this space. And having on here is great. It's of great interest to see what is going on here with the efficiencies, etc., that can be gained from this, from from this vertical. But what is RAS? What is robotics as a service? We're a SaaS company, right? Yep. Great Waves is SaaS <laughs> software as a service. Yep. What is robotics as a service? What, what tell us about that?
0: So, robotic as a service is very similar, you know, to a SaaS company, except that we have a hardware based. Um, solution as well. So if you think about it, you know, when you get some of Google services, like email service, stuff like that, you know, they're a SaaS company. You're relying on their expertise to make sure that the servers are up, that everything is running correctly. And if you remember in the old days, you have to set up your own email server and if something didn't work, you have to call your IT person and deal with that. Uh, We're doing the same thing with robotics. So, you know, robotics has been really challenging for a lot of our customers because they're not robotic experts and not sure how to optimize them, how to deal with that. And by doing robotic as a service, we're actually providing the productivity of these robots to them. So if the robots are not productive, that's actually on us, as opposed to, you know, like a lease or uh, if you bought the product, right? If you bought a robot, if the robot is not productive, that's up to you because you already paid for it. Here, they're paying for the service of the productivity of the robots. And that really aligns the incentives because we as a company want to make sure our robots are as productive as possible. We're robotics experts. We have several PhDs, you know, um, working on these problems day in, day and out. And our customers want to make sure that they can fulfill as many orders as possible all the time. So what we're doing is we're just basically aligning that incentive. They're paying on how much throughput, how many orders, you know, go out the door. And we're making sure that the robotics run and our robots run as efficiently as possible.
2: I like the look of these things. Some robots go in a number of different directions. You have the Boston Dynamics dogs, which I know a lot of people are frightened of because yeah. they move yeah. just, they move just too quick. But yours look like a cross maybe between like Johnny Five or Wally, and like a bit of an accordion when they start stretching out. How did you? <laughs> uh, how did you come to that idea for a design?
0: Uh, sure. So one of the difficult thing in robotics is is not so much the. Um, uh, you know, the technology sometimes, but really it's the cost, the ROI. I mean, if you think of the Boston Dynamics, right? You have a dog that costs $30,000, may be able to open a door. And not demeaning it, I mean, they they work really, really hard on the control on on actually solving that problem. But a lot of times what you have to do is figure out, okay, what's the most cost-effective way of doing something in the business? And then this really allowed us to create a robot that is very, very cost-effective, and we augmented with AI. So in the past, you know, you really had to change the uh, warehouse to the robot. Right now, what our robots do, they're very, very simple, but they adapt to the warehouse using AI. So using vision technology and understanding where things are, they're able to manipulate the to manipulate stuff. And the robot itself is very cost effective. And the end result, it means that for our customers, we can provide them a solution for a pretty good price.
1: Yeah, e- excellent stuff talking about those challenges that are there and integrating it into that warehouse, et cetera. And I love the, the explanation of the robotics as a service, right? So they're buying the efficiency of it, not just the, the hardware itself. And then it's up to them. I, I love that aspect exactly. of, of what you're doing there in the business, specifically the advantages of warehouses, uh, of robots in the warehouse uh i mean obviously there's there's advantage there are there advantages there that maybe we don't see on the surface the layperson so to speak someone like myself who's not in that space that we're not aware of and some of the challenges there the inter- interaction with with humans can you can you speak to that a little bit
0: yeah definitely so you know so as a consumer right of, of uh ecom and a lot i'm sure you order things online as well you're not Actually, understanding what happens in the warehouse. A lot of times, you know, you look at the website, you add click the cart, and you you know the order sort of magically appears at your doorstep. And if it doesn't appear within two days, and you know, I get all mad, why is it there? What's happening on the back end is that right now with the old ways, it's complete chaos. They have a lot of people that they're trying to just run around. Basically, what you're doing is you have a personal shopper <clears throat> doing the task for you. Right? Somebody has to go walk around in these huge warehouses, imagine three, four football fields big, lots of different shelves, and you're walking around trying to collect these items for you as quickly as possible. So as you imagine, most people don't want to do this job. They have actually a huge turnover. So most people maybe last about six months and maybe a year at the most over there, and they just leave because it's too difficult. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing is we're empowering these people to operate a lot more efficiently. It's sort of like, you know, before where you're building a building with a rock, we're giving them a nail gun so they're able to, operate a lot faster, or, you know, you have a, a backhoe to dig holes as opposed to a shovel. So what we're doing is we're getting the robots to collect those items for them and bring them over to the people. So now the people can just basically pack, maybe do QC on the on the orders themselves and get the orders out the door as quickly as possible. So for you as a consumer, you get a more accurate order, you get to make sure that the order, um, you know, the item itself is correct and not damaged. But from the person who's doing the job, they're actually able to fulfill a lot more orders at the same time.
2: You know you know what, I, so I watch a lot of videos on robots, and I watch a lot of those video challenges. My five-year-old's obsessed. If you asked him what he wants to be yeah. when he grows up, he says, I want to build big, <laughs> giant robots. And um, whenever I watch these videos, though, about building sort of the cyborgs, the, the, the walking robots with arms and stuff, yeah. it's very hard to keep them balanced, right? Humans are, our design yeah. our gyroscopic, all of that stuff is way more complicated than we think. Well, actually, break a leg or an ankle or something, and you realize just how hard mobility is. Yep. But how far away are we from warehouses actually having that sort of cyborg, uh, a robot that actually looks like a
0: human well you know there, there is this notion right that we have to develop these robots that look like humans and look like us in order to do the work but you actually don't uh and, and it is a very difficult challenge so like you mentioned you know, boston dynamics have been working on that challenge for a very long time you know they have humanoid robots are able to walk do flips you know do a lot of uh acrobatics that is really really difficult it's a huge exercise in control that is not that easy to do uh, but unfortunately, not, or fortunately for us, you know, in a warehouse, you don't have to do flips. You don't have to walk around. So we we're able to create a robot that is a lot more, like I mentioned, cost effective. Because if we had something that does all that, the robot price will be way too high, and then it won't make sense, right? So the, so what we're trying to do is figure out, okay, what's the minimum set of um, if you think of appendages that we need to our robot in order to fulfill the task, and that's what we do all the time. And our robot, that you mentioned, looks that way like a Johnny Five, you know, with an accordion. So very simple. We have, you know, a few degrees of freedom and it's not doing flips, but it's able to do the task.
2: Wow, that I mean that's that's amazing stuff, and this is a space that's rapidly growing. Our What the Truck listeners are are very familiar. I think we've covered five or six robotics companies, Michael, in the past uh, mm-hmm. in the yeah. past month here. Matt Henning he brings up a good point. He says for anyone in production picking looking to justify purchasing robots, consider reduction in workman's comp and other insurance related expenses. I mean, Lior, I I wish we had more time. I mean this is a, this is such a meaty subject, and we'll have to dive deeper into it. But thank you for giving us this introduction. Where should our listeners go who want to learn more? About bringing warehouse robots into their supply chain.
0: Yeah. So if you want to learn more, you can go to www.indiarobotics.com. That's I N V I A robotics.com. And you can contact one of our uh, engineers over there. They'll be able to help you with any kind of questions you might have.
2: Thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Thank you for your time.
0: No problem. Thank you very much, guys. Bye. Very happy. Uh, nice to be on the show.
2: Yeah. We appreciate it. Fascinating stuff. Awesome. What, what did you it think is, of that? Uh, uh,
1: I, I, I was going to say it, it is fascinating stuff, Duner, and it's one of those topics that I, I wish we had more time with 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 guests like Lior to go through this because there's so many more questions that are there, and I think it's really interesting the question you asked him about the why this particular design, right? And I I liken it to, I mean. You don't want it to actually look like a human, right? There's got to be other designs that are even more efficient than a human, right? And you've got to kind of remove yourself from, from that type of uh, paradigm in order to produce these, uh, these robots that are highly efficient.
2: Yeah, I agree. Let's uh, sell let's Sherry uh, Hinesh up. She's founder of Supply Chain Revolution. If you're on LinkedIn, she's pretty popular around here. You may have seen her around these parts before. You might listen to her show, Supply Chain Revolution. And we are uh, bringing her up right now. Hello. Hey, hey, Sherry, you are on the air on What the Truck with Dooner and the Dude. Thank you so much for giving us 10 minutes of your time today. Hi, guys. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Wait, we have to ask. We have to ask for, for the people in our audience who may not be familiar. Who, uh, who anointed you the supply chain queen? Was there a ceremony?
3: Oh, no. It was, it was actually a nickname. It was a nickname. And uh, I'm the queen that's unqueeny. I'm more of a rebel. <laughs> But uh, but I, I definitely uh, love the personal brand and what it's grown into. So super cool.
1: That's
3: awesome stuff, uh,
1: Sherry. I wanted to know how you were anointed queen too, but I, <laughs> I, I get it. So t- tell us about the supply chain revolution, circular economy.
3: Okay. So the supply chain revolution grew out of this business as usual paradigm that I think a lot of supply chain and logistics folks are going through right now. And it's a podcast. It's had explosive growth over the past six months when it launched. And it's really a community of people that are challenging some of these paradigms for progress. So we're rebels that have a healthy disrespect for the status quo and we roar, <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we're definitely, um, you know, uh, people who think differently. Maybe uh, a lot of us, uh, represent communities that have been underrepresented historically in supply chain and logistics. So if you're a thinker, a dreamer, a doer, a builder, this is a community for you.
2: Yeah, one of the biggest focal points, and if you're a listener Supply Chain Revolution, you and your partner on the show, you you very often, uh, you, you, you love to promote the circular economy, right? And this is a term that's starting to become more and more invoked. And I, I think it only fell out of favor a little bit since the pandemic hit, right? We haven't been talking as much about uh, Greta, right? Or we haven't been talking as much about sustainability because there's so many other just problems going on at the moment, but it's, it's seriously something we can't, we can't put on the back burner. So tell us a little bit about what is the circular economy, how does that all work?
3: Yeah, so I like to break it down uh, to a level where whether you know about sustainability or circularity, anyone can understand, and it's re- it really is a concept that is for everyone. And if you think about how most businesses, supply chains, or even products work now, these processes are very linear. And that means that we take materials from the earth. We make stuff, we use the stuff, and then we throw it away. And the interesting thing is there isn't in a way. So we end up managing a lot of waste. And even in the US alone, the cost of managing that waste exceeds $100 billion annually. And the truth is, That half of the stuff that we throw away could actually be repurposed or reduced or reused or repaired or refurbished, remanufactured or recycled, which is the last loop that we, that we leverage. So when you think about the promise of a circular economy, it's really the business case or the fiscal argument for disruptive innovation. Thinking about how we source things, how that product is designed, and how the life of that product, its journey, how it moves all the way through a supply chain in our economy, and then also back through our supply chain using reverse logistics for some of those secondary purposes that I've mentioned.
1: That's a great explanation, Sherry. Thank you so much. So, can you can you dive into a little bit more of how this actually uh, relates to and applies to uh, the freight and supply chain?
3: Yeah. So, what's interesting is, and I don't know if a lot of people know this, but logistics is one of the major enablers when it comes to scaling up a circular economy across industry. So when you think about closing and extending or redistributing materials in those flows, the loops of the circular economy, logistics is really at the heart of it all. And the cool thing about it, it means more jobs. It means job security and creating that robust infrastructure for the flow of goods that we might not have right now that can really provide transparency across supply chains. And you mentioned, you know, COVID and all of the crises that are sort of unfolding at once before our eyes, supply chains are right at the center and they drive a lot of the solutions that can really change the world that we share. So in terms of, you know, perspective, how reverse logistics adds value, it's around, you know, collecting these goods and there are different methods that you can use whether you're returning recovering or even remarketing them on the back end so this could be remanufacturing products you can use uh, municipal collections drop off return shipping milk runs and even some of the jobs that come out of the circular economy marriage with logistics Think about a re-commerce manager as we start to think about the holidays and the uptick that we've seen with e-commerce lately. There's a, there's a re-commerce job, a reverse logistics manager who actually manages this $550 billion market of return goods. So it's very exciting.
2: You know, we have to accomplish two things here. We have to convince supply chains to implement something like this. We have to con- convince the leaders there to do it. Then you have to m- make them execute. What are some of the ways we can we can push this forward? I know compu- com- consumer pressure has been pretty good at doing that, especially by young people, and especially in like food products, consumer products where, where uh, you know, they, they skew towards certain groups of, of young people. They're, they've made big sort of changes in terms of how they package products and things like that. But how do we get that buy-in?
3: Yeah, I mean, we're, we're standing in our own way. And I think one thing about the circular economy is it is a business case for change. There's, it, it makes sense. So you're doing well financially, and you're also doing good. And when you think about sustainability and circular economy, this is a pressure that's coming not only from customers, from your associates who make up the fabric of your supply chain organization, but also investors. Because at the heart of this is managing risk. And you think about, you know, a surety of supply, making sure that you do have provenance and transparency in your supply chain. So I know where my goods are coming from. I know whose hands I'm shaking in my network. All of these things are very critical. We stand in our way, meaning Collaboration is really at the heart of all of this. I think there's also, you know, data management, so data and exchange. Um, but really, the critical lever that I see is moving from this black box approach, where we've always held our data very close to the vest, and everything that happened in our supply chain, we sort of leveraged for competitive advantage in the past. Where now we have to shift shift to this glass box or transparent and open approach where we are sharing and collaborating in ways that we've never known or felt before. So if I had to condense it to three reasons, definitely collaboration amongst trading partners, maybe even competitors, uh, data and technology. So how you're actually able to visualize those material flows and the value that's exchanged. And then lastly, just the infrastructure that's needed for impact in the circular economy. We have to actually design these systems and processes. So they're integrated and they work for everyone.
1: Excellent stuff, Sherry, great explanation. And obviously something uh, that we we need to do. We, get, we need to overcome the inconvenience factor of the end consumer when you're talking about reclaimed and, and repurposed and getting it back into the reverse logistics, if you will, the reverse supply chain, if you will. But, um, unfortunately we've, we've got to move on to the, to the next guest, but this is great stuff. So Sherry, where do people reach out and find your show and, and learn more about what you're doing?
3: Awesome. So supply chain Clean. um, I'm on social media. I'm very active. And then also supply chain revolution, wherever you get your podcast.
2: Thank you so much, Sherry. We appreciate your time today. Where's my cowbell? Oh, I'm sorry. Here it is. I was. I, I, was, I, I
3: need
2: the cowbell, I, man. There we go. Boom, boom, boom. There you go, Sherry. You're a podcaster, Thank you. too. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Take care.
3: Now it's official. Now
2: it's official. <laughs> now you've been anointed. Thank
3: you, dear. <laughs> Take it easy.
2: <laughs> well, that was a good time.
1: That was a good. Time. That's excellent. stuff. It's a great topic. I mean, it, it, it touches so much it, from the from the end consumer and all the way through the supply chain, both forward and reverse supply chain. It's it's a huge issue.
2: Yeah. Let's dial up uh, Matt Pinkerton now and uh, Mike Neal. They're both of C.H. Robinson over in that Minneapolis, Minnesota area. It's going to be good talking with them. Nick Romer says uh, sustainability is on the forefront of change are in the, the biggest. push. Hey, is this uh, is this uh, Mike and Mac?
4: It is. It is. Is this the Dude
2: and Dooner? <laughs> this is Dooner and the Dude on What the Truck. You are live are on the here. air. You're live on the air with us. Thank you so much for taking a little bit of time out of your day to talk about this uh, This exciting press release you guys just put out. And it resonated with me when, when I was reading it because we just had this carrier summit a week ago. And the driving point there, I mean, the, the topic bar none that seemed to stand above all else from all the supply chain leaders that spoke was there's just so much data coming in the supply chain right now. And now their customers want it integrated, right? There's just so many different sources. Starting to get so fragmented, it's becoming unwieldy, and all that inf- efficiency we promise is being lost a little bit. What do you guys make of all that?
5: Uh, well, agreed. Agreed. I, I think that uh, we're we're in the midst of in the midst of the digitalization of our of the world supply chains, which which basically translates into an unprecedented amount of data that's flowing uh, from from suppliers and customers into platforms such as ours and what we're doing to make sure that all the parties that, that interact with the platform are benefiting from that, that data is, is super critical.
1: It's, it's extremely critical. And I echo what Dooner said, you know, we we're seeing all this siloed data and the integration of trying to bring this stuff together. And that's what you guys are doing. Uh, so uh, uh, why the integration of the 19 tmss and erp systems and what benefits can the shippers really expect from these different integrations
5: yes yeah, so this is this is mike Neal speaking uh, i will uh, i'll take the first half of that question mm-hmm. back take the second you know there are there are technical and and business reasons for this and because uh, i'm a nerd in the room uh <clears throat> at heart i'll uh, I'll take the technical history first really in the 90s think Think pre-internet, big box retailers mandated that suppliers integrate with their, their systems via EI. And this was a catalyst for the first wave of efficiency that all companies in the supply chain really had the potential to benefit from. Since then, geeks, geeks like me have been working on moving beyond batch interfaces between systems to real-time connections. And they have been there have been a, a lot of swings and misses over the years. So early direct connections between systems were super slow, and making them secure was a real pain in the ass. But enter modern APIs, uh, so what we have today. They're fast, they're relatively easy to secure, and we have many customers that jumped on the modern APIs, and we have point-to-point solutions with them. However, recently... More and more TMSs and ERPs are adding features to allow for real time connectivity for rating, tendering, document sharing, invoicing, and so forth. So, customers who use these systems reached out to us uh, very early on and said, Hey, we, we want you on this platform. We, we would like to, to get real time market rates and, and have it backed by a company uh, such as CH Robinson. So, from the tech perspective, Long story short, C. H. Robinson has and always will utilize tech, the tech of the day, to meet our customers and carriers where they where they want us to.
2: You know, I read a, I read a, a fact that d- astounded me. It said that C.H. Robinson is seeing a 55% increase in digital transactions compared to a year ago. And I would consider C.H.R.W. a pretty big bellwether of what's going on in the 3PL space. So I imagine across the industry, a, a lot of companies must see that kind of digital information ratcheting up. What kind of challenge does that, does having that much volume increase in a year do for a group like, like your team? You, you
5: know, it's, um, it really just, it, it, it really makes, uh, you know, some of the people behind the scenes that are kind of unsung heroes, the, the, the foundational people, the people that, that need to keep systems up and running, they're suddenly <laughs> getting a big spotlight because when you have that kind of data, you know, a year ago we had a lot of data, now we have a real lot of data uh, that's pouring in and it's increasing exponentially. So, the challenge is really our scale and, and reliability, because when you have this level of connection connectivity with, with our customers and our carriers, the system can't go down. And when we have this flood of information, we need to be able to handle it quickly uh, and make sense of it so that we can put it to good use. This is, uh, you know, it's really fortunate that we've made, we've made moves towards the cloud, which offers uh, scalability and reliability in, in the last year and that's been that's been helping on a lot.
6: You know guys, one, one of the things that you you guys led with early on was you know, what do you do with all this information? And and one of the things that you know, is additional to the question that you just asked is 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 how do we respond to that? Well, part of it is the investment that we have talked about making that additional billion dollars over the next five years years in our tech, but it's not only the tech, it's in our data scientist team that really are just Gets our arms around the the tremendous amount of data that's driven by our platform, Navisphere platform, with over 200,000 participants and $50 million of freight spend. But it's about taking that data and actually creating usable insights from that. And that, you know, the question that you asked earlier around what should our customers expect from that, that's what it is, right? It's the value that's created from all of those participants that enables them to make better, smarter decisions within. Their own ecosystem so why is this integration approach important but it's important because you know within these nine uh connectivities that we have today it's about meeting customers where they want to buy within their own ecosystem so they're able to make fast smart decisions you guys on this call know as well as anybody the marketplace has changed so much over the last few months you know the north america supply chain has gone from an extremely well-oiled and predictable machine to one of fragmentation, chaos, and volatility. And what's so important about this connectivity this kind of is, you know, as route guides continue to fail because products aren't where they're supposed to be, origin, destinations aren't what they were two weeks ago, trucks aren't where they should be because of that fragmentation, route guides are failing, right? Mm-hmm. And so customers have to understand, do I have the partnerships that it takes to support my supply chain in this volatility. And, And this digital connectivity is about getting the right price driven by all the information that we collect through all of those participants on our platform, give them the right price, but not only the right price, give them capacity insurance by the North America leader in transportation and assurance that we'll get that load covered. So that's what customers should expect. Uh, through these connectivity efforts.
2: Guys, we have time for about one more question, so I'll throw it to the comments section here. Tom Curry asks, are most of these connections done via API? Uh,
5: straight
2: and easy answer. The answer is yes. <laughs> easy answer, yes. Most <laughs> of these connections are done via API. There you go. Uh, there you go, Tom Curry. So who people want to learn more about this. You, like I mentioned, you just put out this press release. They want to get involved uh, with with, with uh, your Navisphere product and, and the, these integrations. Where do they go from here?
5: ch robinson.com
2: that easy ch robinson you guys just the two last questions were the easiest ones they were just a single answer yeah. ch robinson <laughs> do you want to leave us leave us with a fun fact leave us with a fun fact about this whole process you got one loaded up yeah i mean the, the fact of the
5: matter is uh this this uh this pandemic has has led has led to to customers and carriers and everyone trying to To do uh, do what we need to do to keep keep uh, the wheels moving of commerce. Uh, So this this integration, uh, any any way we can help we can help customers and carriers to be more efficient. We're taking it. We're 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 taking it on. As you as you pointed out, uh, the evidence that it's working. is a fifty five percent increase in digital transactions uh, year over year, and that number is just continuing to, to just go straight up to the moon. Yeah, that's that slowing down.
6: You guys are great. Thank you for the time today.
2: Yeah, and congratulations on your growth and the continued good work that CHRW does. Take care, gentlemen. Thank you, guys. Wow. You know, Thanks, th- it, 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 it was a good time talking with them, too, because right after that carousel, like, again, that became just such a point. It's, it's more data, more problems. Right. And everyone's getting all these digital transactions now. And, you know, tech it's its only like if you read JP's article, JP Hempstead, who put up an article about 8VC and tech investments. And it's really only a market that's been maturing for about five years. Right. I mean, that is not a long time for tech to mature.
1: No, it really isn't. But it, it's really a hot topic. And like you said, more data, more problems. This is a re- reoccurring theme. And what these guys are doing is, I mean, they're bringing it together. They're creating that transparency, giving that collaborative uh, work a space for, for everybody to to make that data worth something. Right. Because more data, more problems. And even if you, you can collect a ton of data, but you can actually increase your costs and your inefficiencies if you don't know how to manage it correctly. And that's why the integration and, and doing a great job with it.
2: Well, it's time to dial out to Mitch Hickson, VP of Business Development at Triumph Pay. Let's get him on the horn. Talk to him about what he's saying. Hey, I mean, it can be argued that freight payment data is some of the most truthiest data of freight flows, couldn't it? Michael Vincent. Hey, I mean, Mitch Hickson. Hey, Mitch, it's it's Dooner and the oh. Dude. We uh, Thank you for joining us on the air today on this Friday afternoon.
0: Hey, guys.
2: TGIF. Yeah, thank God. You are—you're uh, <laughs> over in that Texas, area. You didn't get hit by Laura or anything, did you? No, no.
4: We—it uh, it is uh, going around us to the west and north, and we're getting some rain, but nothing severe. now. that's good. You're—you're not a
2: ham radio operator, are you? We talked to a robotics company earlier, and uh, <laughs> we thought it was just interesting that the CEO and founder used a ham radio, but he's like, "Oh no, like all the all all the team is licensed now. Like forty guys that work there, they all use ham radios."
4: I, I am not, I am a ham, but not a ham, it's radio, so.
2: <laughs> well, 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 Mitch. Well, you know what, Mitch, we, we, um, you know, we're still talking about COVID, right? Pandemic that won't go away. It's that bad relative at Thanksgiving that won't leave for Black Friday shopping. Well, we're several, several months into COVID-19. What's been the impact to your business, either positively or negatively?
4: Well, there's been both. Um, uh, you know, the negative side of that, uh, the whole country, the whole world, uh, had to uh, had to kind of batten down the hatches and pause for the cause. Uh, so March and April were were definitely slow. You know, everybody was figuring out how to react to the new abnormal and how to conduct business in this environment. So um, so they batten down the hatches, and, and that's the negative. So March and, and April was certainly slow for us and everybody. Um, and that being said, the, the positive can be directly can. Uh, attributed to the negative because sort of uh, I use the analogy, if you take a um, uh, a very complex and large uh, Lego um, um, construction that you put together. Now you're speaking you my language, piece, Mitch. Yeah. Yeah. You take it apart piece by piece and move it, right? You're going to figure out that there's some pieces that don't quite fit and, and, and you really dissect your organization. And in doing so, uh, it, it shines a light on those areas that that, that uh, those areas for improvement, and so the positive has been through that uh, that effort, we've seen a tremendous uptick in, in interest and in, in inquiries. Honestly, uh, companies that are adopting Triumph Pay uh, for just that reason to to improve their operation, improve the carrier experience, and and um, and obviously um hit their bottom line in a positive impact so we're on we're on pace surprisingly and, and i'm proud to say uh, we're on pace to exceed uh our our goals that we set established prior to the covid 19 impacting um and that's that's quite a testament i'm not sure that a lot of folks can say that but we're very proud to
1: you should be proud of that, Mitch. Uh, it's, yeah. it's quite impressive, and and it, it might I like say, uh, it's, it's nice to hear your your voice again, my old friend. Can you yeah, can you uh, can you expound a little bit on how your business is tracking from a growth perspective? I mean, you you, you you quite impressive what you're talking about there. But can you expound on that a little bit?
4: Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, um, you know, the the fortune thing was going into this this calendar year, we had a very robust pipeline. Um, the 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 solution itself will speak for itself. And it really is, you know, I'd say this, even if I didn't work here, it really is the better mousetrap. And and anytime you, you um, introduce to to an industry, a better way, people naturally gravitate toward. So that's first and foremost, but the efforts of our sales force to, to have the pipeline as robust as it was heading in to this environment certainly helped. Um, And, and so, What's happened is we're we're on pace now uh, to bring on at a rate of six hundred million dollars worth of new business, new funding per month for the sustainable future, and, and that's kind of unheard of. We we really didn't. I mean, I knew we would get there at some point, but to do so in light of uh, you know the economic climate and the the climate in general uh, today um, across this or the, this country and this world. Uh, as it relates to, to covid nineteen is is really a testament and and I'll tell you it, it's not just, I' like to say it's it's because I'm that smart or, our, or my, my sales associates are that good, but you know really it starts with the with with the solution itself it, it, It's just that good. Uh, secondly, the organization, you know when you look at the leadership, they have the vision uh, to to bring in the individuals to assemble the team to not just assemble a team. But I've seen organizations implode with this kind of growth. We are we're very healthy and and very much ahead of pace excuse me, where we need to be to sustain this, this type of growth. And that takes some leadership and some and some vision. Um and so uh and then last but not least, you know, you gotta hire the right people because when you when you bring in um when, when people go from a corporate environment, whether, you know, the metrics are watched every day, you're, you're counseling, you're seeing people uh, execute their, their activities, and you isolate those people in a remote environment, it's really important that you have quality people that can self-manage uh, their activities. And not just that, but they can think uh, to themselves and they can motivate themselves. And what we're seeing is really impressive, you know, the quality of the individuals. Stand out, you know, cream rises to the top in this kind of environment. And, and I think throughout our organization, we're seeing uh, that impact. People are not eating Cheetos and mowing the yard and playing golf, they are constantly thinking of ways uh, to improve and, and ways to, uh, to continue to, uh, to add value. To hey, our customers.
2: Hey, hey, Mitch. You know, you you mentioned most mowing the lawn. You mentioned being on the move. Well, I've interviewed a lot of Try and Pay people over the past year, and every time an interview, I always go, "What's next with Try and Pay?" And uh, whether it's Carly or Kate or Jordan or or yourself, you, you're always probably, You've been mentioning this this mobile app, right? And I think it's finally dropped. So tell us a little bit about Try and Pay mobile.
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's going great. We launched it a couple of months ago. It could be off a week or two, but let's just say two months ago. And, and obviously, you know, we, we had our hands full elsewhere. So we really haven't um, devoted a lot of time and resources, and certainly marketing, to promoting uh, that application. Uh, but in spite of all that, the, the growth has been completely organic, and it's been impressive. We've—I uh, looked uh, just earlier this week, and we have over three thousand three hundred fifty unique carriers that have utilized the application. Uh, impacting 134 of what's now um, exceeding 250 uh, uh, of our broker customers, um, and uh, just under 10,000 transactions. So, you know, um, the biggest uh, uh, area of adoption is the owner operators. I mean, these guys are independent businessmen, and and they're going to gravitate first to the things that that not only work well, easy to use, um, but make the most impact to their business. And and, and those are the guys that have really that. Women and men in the industry that have really, uh, uh, really adopted pay Mobile and have uh, have made it sing. So we'll uh, we'll we'll be putting some resources to this. We've we've had, as uh, you, know, you can imagine, had our hands full elsewhere. Um, but um, it is a goal, and objective of, of ours to to now start to um, start to promote and more, uh, market this solution, and uh, and I think we'll see some dramatic results from that.
2: Hey Mitch, uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride has almost come to an end over here, but Tom Curry, he says, Mitch Hickson and the Try and Pay team are doing great things in the industry. Haley Wilson, she says, thanks Tom because she is a a very uh, polite and wonderful uh, young lady over there. Uh, but before we before we let you go, just let us know where people can find you. And uh, if if real quick, in terms of like the payment data, are you seeing that match up with the freight data as well that we're seeing?
4: Yes. Yeah, you guys. Uh, we, we know, we know your, your data is, uh, spot on because it, it matches with our data. Um, you know, we, we, uh, we process a ton of data and I know you guys would love to get your hands on it. Won't ever happen. Uh, you know, <laughs> bank examiners, won't, bank examiners, even if we wanted to get into the big, big data arena, <laughs> bank examiners won't let us. So, um, and, and, uh, so, but no, you guys are spot on with what you're doing and, and, uh, we're here to support you in every way we can. Awesome, man. Well,
2: where do they just try and dot com, right? Do they is the app like in the app store? How do you go about getting the mobile app?
4: Yeah, just go to try and pay on the app store and it'll it'll come up. It is free for all users.
2: Awesome stuff. Check it out. That, that's free. Sonar is free until September 4th. So check out both. Mitch, we always appreciate your support. Try and Pays team support. Say hi to Carly, Jordan, Haley and, and the rest of them for us. Th- and thank you for your time today.
4: Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you.
2: Yeah, you as well. Always enjoying this. You know, some people don't know this. So you would know this better than I do because you've been with Freightways longer, but Mitch used to work here.
1: Yeah, yeah. He was here back in the day. I mean, well, back in the day, a couple of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, but yeah, no, good guy and, and really impressive stuff they're doing there, right? I mean, their growth is tremendous. The, the uh, adoption of, 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 of their mobile app is, is, those are some pretty impressive numbers there. Really good stuff. Good to hear.
2: Oh yeah! Every time we talk to them, and, and we talk to them a lot, they're a little bit bigger, or a lot bit bigger. They're just they're just growing and growing because they're doing great stuff in the industry, and they're just making life easier. Everyone wants to get paid faster. Everyone wants to get paid quicker. Everyone wants to be mobile and on the move, right? I mean, especially uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, this year. Well, you know what? Let's talk about some uh, some good news, bad news, right? have right.
4: uh,
2: the bad news and good news. All right, here's the bad news, Michael Vincent. You just had $350,000 worth of pistachios. Pistachios stolen from your facility by a rogue driver who stole the identity of a legit trucker. And we were talking about that when we were talking to travelers about insurance, right? That was the the last one about cargo theft. This is what that guy was talking about. Yeah, that's right. Here's the good news. Fortunately, you know, sometimes these aren't the smartest people in the world. So the missing cashew caper was solved when investigators learned. Did you know that a pistachio is a cashew, by the way? It's classification. I had no idea. I was going to correct you on that, but I guess I was wrong. <laughs> no, no, it's true. Do you like the, uh, the, the regular, like just the natural ones? or Do you like the red colored ones, the red dyed ones?
1: No, no, I, re- I like the, the uh, just the, the natural
2: Okay, when I was a kid growing up, my dad loved the red one, so I always thought that's how they came. I didn't realize they were dyed that way until I became uh, an adult. And, uh, yeah, then I realized my mistake. Well, anyways, <laughs> uh, the missing, the missing cashew caper was solved when investigators learned that thieves had left some cracks in their nut. That's right. The tool, the two layer county sheriff's office said, As this investigation unfolded, detectives learned the suspects developed an elaborate scheme to carry out their plan. The scheme involved the suspects using a semi-truck and stealing two trailers from a Fresno business. Those trailers were equipped with real-time GPS. When ag detectives contacted the (laughs) owner of the company and told them about the thefts, they were able to track down the suspects as as well as all those pistachios in the stolen trailers. I guess this guy, Bavana Singh Sikon, he's 23 out of Fresno. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Fresno. It's one of my least favorite places in America that I've been to. No offense to people in Fresno. It is just incredibly hot. (laughs) And I had a very bad experience there. Um, But (laughs) uh, I didn't have my cashews stolen or my pistachios. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that was going down there. He was arrested and charged with grand theft, looting, identity theft, and conspiracy. CDL Life reports that this isn't uncommon, though, as thieves have also been targeting walnut walnut farmers in Central Valley, costing them millions over the past few years. So I guess this nut theft is kind of a big deal over in uh, parts of California. Yeah.
1: I guess so. There's a wave of nut th- nut thievery <laughs> yeah. crossing crossing the United States. I, I guess that's interesting. I wonder why the nut industry they're going after. I don't. Maybe they think, think like they're
2: not that technically advanced. But apparently, get GPS on the trucks, and you got to make sure you know you got to turn find my right. iPhone off before you steal the pistachios, brother.
1: <laughs> that's right can you imagine the high speed chase wow. how can they keep following us how do they know where we're going yeah, the GPS. <laughs> they are almost have a oh, copter <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, Dooner, here's some bad news. A yeah. 54-year-old trucker lost control of his rig while crossing a slick Clinton Street bridge, Ooh. slamming his truck into the guardrail, where it burst into flame and left the cab dangling. You're looking at a picture of it right yeah. here. This is uh, not a good thing. But uh, the good news is the driver was able to jump to safety on a patch of soft grass below and was treated for non-threatening, uh, in- non-life-threatening threatening injuries. So, the good news is driver's okay, was able able to jump out I think but look at that stuff right there that looks like the end of a,
2: uh, a Terminator a, a pistachio caper yeah. <laughs> looks like Terminator 2 right you got some ro- it looks like roasted nuts would have happened in that, that trailer I mean it is it looks like an action movie
1: It uh, it looks like Bruce Willis jumped from a helicopter and blew up that pistachio truck that the thieves is what it looks like to me.
2: Well, here's good news. Good news for gamers out there. PlayStation 5 will be coming to gamers homes before uh, the Christmas holiday season time. They haven't announced a release date yet or even a price, but... What they have done is put up a sign-up form to get it, but here's the thing, here's the bad news. Getting one may be harder than in previous console launch years. If you've ever been involved in a console launch, if you're a gamer, you know that it can always be tough, especially if you wait too long during the holiday season, but this may be even tougher, because Sony on Thursday opened registration for a chance to pre-order the next-generation game console, but only select users will be invited to pre-order. Which users? Sony's criteria is a bit vague, CNN reports, so you're not really sure. you got to put in your PlayStation Player ID, and you, I guess you join some sort of waiting list but here's the other thing with strained supply chains and Sony are making cautious of the demand which remains a mystery to me because if you've been to like Walmart or Target Nintendo switches consoles are flying off the shelves I mean I don't think that's selling oh, yeah, absolutely I don't know why
1: they're, I don't know why they're cautious of demand
2: I agree with you 100 they get, off. yeah I feel like they got to fire their supply chain director or whatever being cautious of demand or whoever decides that for him because these are all going go to go
1: handbagging
2: <laughs> That's right. This guy, well, this guy Carol uh, or this lady Carolina Milisani. She's a consumer tech analyst. She says. These are not times to be left with inventory, and the current economic downturn makes it harder to predict what demand will really be like. Well, I got to tell you, I mean, I can see there being shortages because of factory closures, because of COVID, all of that kind of stuff. But if you're worried about consumers actually buying this stuff, you're crazy. These are going to end up on eBay. People are going to have to spend more money. So I recommend if you want a PS5 or your kids do, get on those waiting lists as soon as possible, lest you be stuck on that realm of eBay paying out uh, paying out your nose.
1: Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, I don't understand it, especially these times. You know, people are at home and stuff and they're trying to social distance, et cetera, still.
2: So I don't understand the, the, uh, the uh, cautious fortunately pre-order buyers are only allowed to get one console and one control pad so hopefully that stems some of the tide of scamming and maybe this tighter control factor will keep some off ebay but we know that never works because the scammers are gonna be like what do i gotta do okay i gotta fill they're gonna just set up as many accounts as possible it never really works the way you think it's gonna work that scalping and it just keeps regular people like moms and dads or or just regular people are like oh i want to get ps5 Log it can't get it can't get it matt hennig has a bonus one Matt Haddock says, uh, "Good news, you hit a triple in a ball game after sliding into third. Bad news, you had your car keys in your pocket. <laughs> Boom! We will give him that one. <laughs> Excellent. Here's, you know, no, 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 there's a suspicious number of nuts on eBay right now. <laughs> I wonder where those are coming from. <laughs> they said the guy took them and he was repackaging the nuts. The the, the thief. They <laughs> they're like they're white labeling that this company's stolen uh, stolen pistachios. There's a racket for there everything. Were
1: pistachios, brother. I would not be good at repackaging those pistachios. I'd be eating half of the stuff we stole.
2: <laughs> I agree with you." Laura to be like, what the... So, here's, here's one more bonus. <laughs> we were complaining about Unhinged not going on video on demand, right? We're like, we want to watch this movie. We're right. starved for content. Well, here's some good news for you. Bad news was Unhinged going. not on. The good news, Bill and Ted Face the Music. If you go uh, on Amazon Prime or Apple Music or whatever, iTunes, you can uh, either rent it for $19.99 or buy it for $24.99. Or the best deal is, for, I think it was like $34.99, you can get Bill and Ted 1 to... And this brand new one, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure three. Um, we talked a little bit before this. I am, like I said, starved for content. I think I'm going to be pulling the trigger on uh, either the, the either the rental or the buy. I'll have to make that decision at the last at the last minute.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm leaning towards the triple play, my friend. Yeah. I, I don't know how I'm going to watch this 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 new one and not go back to see the first two. I, I would. I think I'd. I think I'd get the triple play and play them in order
2: well party time excellent my friend coming up tomorrow on Freight Waves Radio guests from Pilot Flying J we'll talk about an innovative kiosk that's aiding in social distancing Tom Curry from Kingsgate Logistics will be on to talk about uh, his chickens the freight market uh, if my hat was attacked by a dinosaur or a possum and uh, many more we'll also get you up to speed on the freight market we're going to talk a little bit about oil and weather with John Kingston some of the things he's been covering a little blast from the past there you can find me on the Twitter at Timothy Dooner that's D-O-O-N-E-R or LinkedIn keep the conversation going with us he's at Vincent the Dude on Twitter or Michael Vincent on LinkedIn. Download the FreightWaves TV app. You can watch all of these shows for free or look up our podcast. You can look up What the Truck, favorite podcast player of choice. Subscribe to it there every single episode or if you want every single FreightWaves podcast. We put out about four a day now, especially with all these virtual events assets that we have. About four a day, about four or five hours of content. Uh, Everything is on FreightCast. So we have so many feeds now. We put them all in one feed. It's called FreightCast. Look it up on your favorite podcast player. It's got everything from the morning minute to the midday market update to what the truck put that coffee down in all of your other favorites michael vincent have a blessed and great weekend my man